Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. It's the start of a new year, and we have a lot of great things coming up, including the 2023 launch of our small group. So make sure you're here on Sunday mornings and following us on Facebook and Instagram at My Collective Church to stay connected. We really want you to be a part of what God is doing here. Now let's get into Sunday's message. I don't know if sheep have ever had a more epic video than that. I think that's the tops. Uh, When I first saw the bumper, I thought it was like a trailer for something coming out on HBO, like super dramatic, but still about sheep. It would be a terrible show, but we would all watch it anyways. In fact, I think each episode would probably look a little bit like this. Yes, this is another video of a sheep caught in a ditch, but it's free. And you know how sheep go. It's going to live in the pasture and graze forever. Psych. I'm just going to jump right back in. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know this, but the internet is just full of videos like this. People are like sending, them, sending me sheep videos uh, this week. And I'm not sure which one's better, the, the video from last week where the sheep was in the ditch or the video from this week where the sheep was in the ditch. Uh, but just Google sheep falling in ditches, and there's millions of these, and it's, it's great. Uh, it's a really good example of society. So it'll make you happy and sad at the same time. So today we're in week two of our sermon series called Shepherd, where we're going through Psalm 23 in the Bible. And Psalm 23 was written by King David, who was once a shepherd. And this is essentially a poem that he wrote in devotion to God about how he leads and cares for us in the same way that a shepherd leads and cares for his sheep. And today, as we continue going through this psalm, we're going to just be focusing on one verse. Psalm 23, verse 4. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And I realized after preaching last weekend that when it comes to Psalm 23, there are essentially two different types of people in this world. There are those of you who immediately start reciting it in your head, King James style, right? He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Some of you were like quoting that as I was reading last week. In fact, at Collective, we read the New Living Translation of the Bible, or the NLT, as it's often called. And we do that because it is a cleaner, more understandable translation. But some of you, I could see it. You were twitching in your seats as I was reading because it wasn't Psalm 23 the way that you heard it growing up. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. But there's another group of people when reading Psalm 23 where their head immediately starts to go to this space. Right? It's okay. You could admit that you were thinking about this for 30 minutes last week. Yes, we're allowed to play this in church. There are no rules, okay? So first service was like, I've never heard that song before in my life. And I was like, you liars, okay? I get it. Some of you went to Catholic church and listened to Coolio. It's okay. You're allowed to do that. But ultimately, when we think about Psalm 23, there's kind of two options. You either go full British royalty, these thines and thous, or you go dangerous minds, okay? There's really no in-between. My wife actually told me last night that her brain combines these two things. And so can you imagine Coolio starting the song, even though I walketh through the valley of death. It's like, that's not not the same song. So listen, it, it doesn't matter where your brain goes as we talk through Psalm 23, whether it's you grew up in the church and you recited it over and over again, or you had minimal parental guidance like I did, and it came from dangerous minds. The thing is, many of us know these verses. 
right? We have some sort of connection to them. And one of the overarching challenges for this series is for us to memorize Psalm 23. And I had a lot of great conversations last week with people about this. But one of the things I realized is that a lot of you have done this before. You see, I didn't grow up going to church, so I am often ignorant to what a lot of you experienced in church growing up. Like, I don't, I don't have that baggage. I don't have that experience. And one of the things people kept saying last week was, I memorized this when I was younger. And so what I want to do is I want to push this a step further. Really, I, I just want to clarify what I'm challenging us to do in light of so many of you sharing with me last week that you have memorized this before. I want us to memorize Psalm 23, but not so that we know the words. I don't care if you can quote it back to me. I want us to memorize this so that we can feel the words, so that these words can be ingrained in our hearts, so that in our hard moments, we call back to these words as a reminder of who God is. And I know this is going to sound a little bit weird coming from a pastor, but please don't memorize scripture just to memorize it, right? Just to be able to regurgitate it back out. There's not an extra reward in heaven for people who can quote the most scripture, Right? We memorize scripture because when things aren't going well, we need to hold on to God's words, which is truth. And that's why this matters. That's why Psalm 23 matters. And so I'm going to read Psalm 23 again today. But this time, here's what I want to challenge and encourage you to do. Because right? a lot of you are going to go to that headspace. We're going to start rapping. You're going to start thinking about King James Version. You're going to think about your childhood. You're going to think about trying to memorize this and maybe the reward you did get or didn't get because you didn't do it. You're going to go to that place. So my challenge for you right now is to close your eyes and just listen, right? Don't read it, don't recite it. Just, just take these words in, feel these words, embrace these words, okay? So let's read Psalm 23 again. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And so this week, as you read this, and you read it over and over and over again. Like, don't go to your brain, read it. The challenge is to memorize this so you can hold on to this. Right? This is one of the best six verses you will ever read in the Bible. Right? Now, for me, I, I love Psalm 23. And one of the reasons why I love Psalm 23, and ultimately one of the reasons why I love reading the Bible is that it never tries to lie to us. Right? The Bible never tries to paint a picture of reality that is inconsistent with our experience. And Psalm 23 is proof of that. Right, last week, we focused on the first three verses of this psalm. We learned that God is a good shepherd because he gives us what we need. Not what we want, what we need. He's a good shepherd because he gives us rest. He renews our strength. He guides us along the right paths. All of those things are encouraging and good. But Psalm 23 doesn't stop there. In fact, it kind of takes a turn in Psalm 23, verse 4, when David writes this. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley... Other translations will say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so David says, God, you are my shepherd. You are good. You love me. You take care of me. And because of that, everything is easy. No, right? Because that isn't reality. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, 
right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, there have been some arguments throughout Christian history about whether this verse is about death or about the shadow of death. And my personal opinion is that it's both, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. Last week, I was talking to someone about this and he shared with me that a few years ago, he was in the hospital um, because he's having issues with his heart. And the doctor wasn't sure if he was gonna live. And he remembers coming to terms with the fact that he could die and feeling peace because even though he was in the shadow of his own death, he knew that God was with him. But at the same moment, this verse brought his family peace because they were walking through one of the hardest seasons of their lives where they were praying for healing and more time with their husband and their father. And so I don't feel like we really have to choose. This could be about death itself. It could be about us staring death in its face, but it could also be a dark night of the soul, an extremely difficult season of life, a spell of hopelessness, a where are you God moment. Either way, this verse teaches us that we will find ourselves in the darkest valley at some point in our life. And so here's the first takeaway for Psalm 23, verse four. It is assumed that we are going to walk through dark valleys. It's almost a promise. David doesn't write, if I walk through the darkest valley, he says, when. When I walk through the darkest valley. What I love love about what David wrote in this psalm is that he doesn't explicitly tell us what that darkest valley is because we know, right? We know. We know exactly what the shadow of valley dust feels like and looks like. It's the loss of a child. It's when she told you that she didn't want to be with you anymore and she walked out. It's when you saw the text on his phone. It's the pain of abuse by someone who said they loved you. It's the moment after the relapse when you're all alone. It's that feeling of, does anyone even care if I'm alive? It's the diagnosis that derails every single single plan you had in life. It's when you get let go from your job and you're sitting in your car and you're thinking about your wife and your kids and you're wondering, what do I do next? It's when you realize that you destroy every good thing in your life because you have a fear of rejection, a fear of intimacy, and a fear of pain. It's when you've cried out to God. We know what the darkest valleys feel like. And I don't know if you know this, but this is a really crappy thing about life. No one is exempt from pain. No one is exempt from trials or valleys. It doesn't matter how holy or righteous or faithful you are. No one is exempt from bad things happening to us. Pain is equal opportunity, and it does not care who you are. And I I know that some of you don't like hearing this because you don't want pain, and that is completely understandable. Like, who wants pain? Who chooses that? But because you desire so much not to feel that pain, what you do is you pursue perfectionism, right? You try to do everything right, no mistakes, no screw-ups. You try to think everything through so nothing falls through the cracks, right? And you think, if I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize those painful feelings that I feel in my life. But no matter how perfect we try to be, there is still pain. We cannot avoid dark valleys. And some of you build up walls to avoid pain. You think if I don't let anyone in, if I ignore the way those things make me feel, if I just keep my head down, I can avoid this. But we cannot avoid dark valleys. And I'm really sorry about that. I really am. I wish I could preach a sermon that was five ways to make sure you never feel pain in your life again. But that sermon doesn't exist. Some preachers will try to tell you that sermon exists. That sermon doesn't exist, okay? That's just setting you up for more pain in the future because that is not the way life works. And because that is not the way life works, we have to keep reading what David writes in Psalm 23. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. 
And so we all go through dark valleys, but we don't have to be afraid because God is a good shepherd because he's with us even when we are in our darkest valleys. I will not be afraid because you are right beside me. And this doesn't mean that we aren't anxious about the possibility of a valley. It doesn't mean we enjoy the valleys, right? We should not enjoy the valleys. It just means that while we are in them, we are not alone. God doesn't abandon us. In fact, remember what we talked about last week when it comes to the shepherds. They go ahead of their sheep. God is right in front of you when you go through those valleys. Over the past few months, I've been able to sit down with a lot of people that go to Collective and listen to their stories and share their stories on our podcast. Last fall, we kicked it off. It's called Your Story Matters. We drop it every single Thursday on our podcast channel. And if you've been listening, you'll realize that there are two main themes to each episode. The first is that life is hard. Every single person who has shared their story will say, something major happened in my life that I didn't ask for, that I didn't want, that I didn't need to happen. Life is hard. But the second thing you will hear every person say on the podcast is, God was always with me. God never left me. He never abandoned me. I wasn't alone. This is why. This is who God is. God is a God who walks beside us in our darkest valleys. And he walks with us through them. He doesn't sit at the end and try to like coach us through it like a parent trying to get a toddler to walk to them, right? And he doesn't even go from the back where he's trying to force us through this dark valley. He leads us through the dark seasons. And so the promise we get here is not a life without pain. It's that in our pain, regardless of what that pain is, God won't abandon us, right? And some of you feel like you are in that place right now. You are in the darkest moment of your life. You feel forgotten and you feel too broken, Right? You feel like the goodness of God can't be with you. But I just want to encourage you that he's not forgotten you. He is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. He is beside you. That is a promise that we get. But that isn't the only promise we get. Let's keep reading. David writes this. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And so write this down. God is a good shepherd because he protects and comforts us when we are in our darkest valleys. So in the valley of the shadow of death, we're guaranteed two things. The first is that God with us. The second is that he's there to protect us and comfort us. And he does that with his rod and his staff. Now, depending on if you grew up in church and you've read this translation before, it's possible that you read it or even the pastor talked about these things as if they are one thing, like, like one item, one tool. But in the Hebrew, which is the original language here, these are two different things. The rod was like a small club that the shepherd would use to defend sheep from an oncoming attack from a wolf or another predator. He'd fight for them. The staff was used to navigate the sheep through difficult terrain, to create boundaries for them so they wouldn't fall off a path, to guide them into the right place when they wandered too far away. And so what David is saying is that in the darkest valleys, God will fight for you and that God will guide you He will not abandon you, forcing you to navigate through the bleakness of the valley of the shadow of death by yourself. God is with you. He is there to comfort you. He is there to protect you. Now, this leads me to a question I think we have to answer if we're in the middle of that valley right now. Who or what are you turning to for protection and comfort? Let me ask that again. Who or what are you turning to for protection or comfort? Are you checking out? Are you trying to use avoidance as a means of protection and comfort, avoiding mistakes, avoiding vulnerability, avoiding others? 
Right? Are you turning to things like food or alcohol? Are you turning to pornography? Are you turning to toxic relationships? Are you turning to those other places to find protection and comfort? What your soul desperately needs is not found in those things, but is found in the presence of Jesus. And there's this really messed up and gross version of Christianity out there right now called the prosperity gospel that can take root in our hearts. And we can begin to believe that if I just do what is right, if I pray enough, if I give enough, if I serve enough, then nothing difficult will ever happen to me. And I need you all to know that that is just not true. You and I will enter this valley that we would rather not be in. But while we are there, God will be with us. God will protect us. God will get us through it. But it is only God. Only the good shepherd can do this. Right? And that should give us peace and hope. That's why Psalm 23 matters. But moving forward in history, moving forward in our Bible, Jesus actually doubles down on this during his time in ministry. He, he talks about this, and he says this in John 10.10. 10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In the Bible, Jesus talks a lot about Satan or the devil, who he is and what he does. Jesus refers to him as the adversary, the deceiver, the tempter, the enemy, and the thief. So what Jesus is saying here is that Satan's number one goal is to steal, kill, and destroy us. To steal, kill, and destroy our faith and our hope, our joy, our relationships, our mental health, our spiritual health, all of it. That is his number one mission. But Jesus says that his goal is to give us a full life here on this earth and forever and eternity. And I share this verse all the time at Collective. It's made its way into 13 different sermons over the past five years because it's one of the best reminders of why it matters that we follow Jesus. Right? Jesus didn't just come so that we could spend eternity in heaven. He came to give us a better life right now as well. Not a perfect life, not an easy life, not a life without dark valleys, but a better life. And because that is true, I share John 10.10 10 all the time. But one thing that I haven't shared yet is what Jesus said next in verse 13. This is what he says. Check this out. He says, I am the good shepherd. And so Jesus says, oh, you know that shepherd that David was talking about? I'm that dude. Like, I'm that guy. I am the good shepherd. And that makes sense because Jesus is the son of God. He and, the God, he and God are one. Right? Think about it like this. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God with us. So he says, I am the good shepherd. But then he continues. He says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And this is exactly what Jesus came to do. Right now, the people he was talking to didn't understand this yet. Right, right? They don't have the opportunity to step out of it the way that we do. They don't have the Bible the way that we do. Right? We know that what Jesus was doing is he was foreshadowing something that would come later. Because just a few years after teaching this, Jesus would go to the cross for us. Jesus would sacrifice his own life through the excruciating experience of crucifixion in order to pay the debt that our sin creates. And the, word simply mean, the word sin simply means to miss the mark. It's an archery term, right? There's a bullseye in the middle, and we miss that bullseye with the way that we're living. It's the idea of us walking outside of alignment with God. Right? It's choosing our way over God's way, and we do that. Right? I do that. We do that when it comes to the way we treat other people. We do that when it comes to things that we consume and put into our minds. We do that when it comes to things like sex and gossip and unforgiveness and bitterness and a ton more. And because we do that, a debt has been created with God that has to get paid. The problem is we can't pay it. And so what Jesus did is he went ahead of us to pay that debt. He sacrificed his life for his sheep, for you 
and for me. And he did that even though we keep putting ourselves in the same ditches over and over and over again. We keep making the same mistakes. We keep doubting him. We keep turning our backs on him. We keep choosing our way over his. But he still sacrificed himself for us because that is what a good shepherd does. He gives us grace. He died for us. But then Jesus continues in verse 12. He says, a hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. When someone other than Jesus is your shepherd, when someone other than Jesus is going ahead of you and the wolf attacks, the fake shepherds run away because their interest is only in themselves, not you and not me. The hired hands of wealth the hired hands of control, the hired hands of other voices, of other leaders, whether it be our inner compulsions, whether it be our culture, whether it be other people, they will run when the wolves come because that is what fake shepherds do. They flee, they leave, they abandon us in the darkest valley. But Jesus says, I won't do that. He says, it doesn't matter what you are going through, I am not going anywhere. In the darkest moments of your life, I will be there. And that is because he is the good shepherd. And then Jesus says something really interesting. It's almost as if he knew that this would hit people like right in their souls and they would start arguing with them in their heads because he says this in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus knows the depths of who we are better than we do. Jesus knows the sin the secrets, the lies, the destructive thoughts, the insecurities. Jesus knows that we are so dumb that we're gonna fall into a ditch and then we're gonna cry out for help and he's gonna pull us out of the ditch and we're gonna do one quick loop and fall right back in. Like he knows that, okay? He's seen that in our lives. He knows we're gonna keep doing it. Jesus knows it all, but it doesn't stop him from giving up his life for us. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so it doesn't matter how broken we are, how sinful we are, how messed up we are. It doesn't matter how we got into those darkest valleys. He knows us, right? And I know that some of you are thinking in your head right now, if Jesus knew the life I was living, he wouldn't love me. Like if he knew where I had been or what I had done, he wouldn't have died for me. He wouldn't lead me. He wouldn't sacrifice his life for me. But I think that's why Jesus says that he knows his sheep. He knows you. He knows me. And in spite of that, he still loves us enough to give up his life for us. And this is one of the reasons why we talk so much at Collective about baptism. Why every single week we challenge you to check the box. This isn't to hit a quota. There are no quotas. It's to help you to experience the grace and forgiveness and new life and comfort that God offers and that Jesus died for. It's because we want you to experience the life to the fullest that Jesus desires for us, not the death and destruction that the thief desires for us. And baptism is just a public way of saying, I am choosing Jesus as my leader, as my shepherd, because when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need someone to walk with us. And only Jesus does that, no one else. And here's the thing. And this is kind of the whole point of this series. Some of you have been following hired hands for a really long time. 
Some of you have been following the wrong shepherds, the wrong people, the wrong things, and you feel the impact of that. You feel the impact of that on your marriage, on your mental health, on your self-worth, on your grief. And what has happened is that you have put your faith and your trust in shepherds who have abandoned you and left you to pick up the pieces. And we need to stop following hired hands. We need to stop following bad shepherds. And we need to lean in. We need to start following Jesus. We need to start following the good shepherd, the only one who promises to walk beside us in the darkest valley, the only one who promises to protect us and comfort us. So I'm gonna put this as bluntly as I can. Some of you are walking through the valley of a shadow of death right now, and you do not feel comfort. You do not feel God's presence. You don't feel his safety and protection. You don't feel it. And that has nothing to do with God because he is there. My guess, my understanding of the way we function as people is that it's probably because we're trying to find peace and comfort and safety and security and grace and leadership in the wrong things, in hired hands, in other people, in our culture, in our feelings. We are following things that are not good. We are following things that aren't even a shepherd. And so David writes in Psalm 23, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the only one who does those things that David is writing about. You know, one of the worship songs that the band leads us in at Collective is a song that you will most likely never hear in another church, especially when it comes to the worship. It's a song called, Oh God, by the band Citizens. We actually played this opening day at Collective and we've been playing it ever since. And the reason why is because it is just so true to what life feels like. And the lyrics go like this. It says, in the valley, oh God, you're near. In the quiet, oh God, you're near. In the shadow, oh God, you're near. At my breaking, oh God, you're near. Oh God, you never leave my side. For five years, we've been singing this song. For five years, people have been singing this song when they're in the middle of a valley. For five years, we've been singing this song knowing that a valley is coming. For five years, we've been singing this song, seeing the peace and joy that comes when we get through those valleys. And every time we sing this song, I think about Psalm 23. I think about the valley of the shadow of death. I think about my own life and the phone call I got just under seven years ago when my mom told me I had to rush to the hospital as quickly as I could because I thought my dad was gonna die. I think about the time I put way too much trust in another person who promised me that they would always have my back. But the moment that things got hard, they bailed. I think about the nights in high school as my parents were separating where I just felt lost. I did not know what to do with my life, my faith, with any of it. I think about the moments of leading this church when I've gotten emails and texts and calls from many of you saying, my mother just passed away and I'm devastated. Or I just found out that he was having an affair and I don't know what to do, or they can't find a heartbeat and I don't understand why. I think about these dark valleys, but this song is a reminder that at my breaking, oh God, you're near. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that as much as possible. That in the darkest valleys of life, I am not alone and you are not alone. So as we finish things up today, that is the song we're gonna finish with. 
And I encourage you to listen to this song and I encourage you to sing this song. And listen, I know that some of you are in that valley right now, right? And it's hard to worship when you're in that valley, but I just wanna encourage you to sing this out. Sing this song as a reminder that God is there and he is with you, that he'll protect you and he'll comfort you. And some of you have been through the valley in the past and you somehow made it out alive. I just wanna encourage and challenge you to sing this song out. Sing this as a reminder that God was there and he brought you through it. The Lord is my shepherd. He carries me through dark valleys. He protects me and he comforts me. That is the God we get to follow. Let's pray. God, it would be really easy for me (laughs) to stand up here and pray for no pain. Um, God, to pray that we don't go through hard things. God, to pray that Um, that there's a magic bubble that surrounds us where we don't have to deal with the pain of our past or the current struggles we're in or, or God, even the future ones that are coming our way. Um, But God, we know that this is just a part of life. God, God, that, that life is not in our control. And God, we can't control other people and we can't control what's been done to us or what's being done to us or what will be done to us, God. Um, And no matter what, we will go through dark valleys so God, I just pray for, for people who are in that space right now or even people who are seeing it coming. God, as they go through these dark moments, these low moments, these fearful moments, these painful moments, God, that they know that you are with them. God, that they feel your presence, that they feel your protection. God, that they feel your comfort. God, they realize that they don't have to go through these dark valleys alone. God, I pray for, for the people here who have been through those valleys, God, who have felt that pain and you got them through it. God, God I pray um, that they never lose sight of how they got through it. God, that they realize it was you leading them through the whole entire way. And because of that, they feel peace and joy and rest. So God, really more than anything else, as we read Psalm 23, as we read John 10, God, I, God, I pray that we put our trust in you and the good shepherd the one who doesn't abandon us when things get hard, the one who doesn't run away when things get tricky, but the one who fights for us and sacrifices himself for us. God, we're so thankful for that. God, we don't deserve it. We're just dumb sheep that end up in ditches over and over and over again. But God, we're thankful that you pull us out of that ditch every single time. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name, amen.